With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring ex-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter at five stars limited that's at five numeric five stars ltd or search for them on facebook welcome to heart and hand the rangers podcast the podcast that's split to see a semi-final go the way it's supposed to this week on heart and hand rangers hammer hamden hoodoo and hump hearts So welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar. I'm your host as usual. And joining me this week is the person who's been trying to usurp me lately, but uh, I managed to fight him off and put him back into his chair. It's Cameron James Bell. David, how are you, my friend? Are you well? I'm all right, Cammy. But I, I was uh, explaining to Cammy before we came on air that I've got a bit of a dicky tummy, um, possibly caused by the Hamden catering yesterday. So uh, I'm shaking my fist at you, Hamden, as we, Le- as we Legal speak. action awaits. Oh, I don't know about that. I think if they, they said, OK, Mr Edgar, let's look at your diet in its entirety, um, they're going to look at it and go, you're lucky that you don't spend your life on the throne, mate. Yes, Mr Edgar, man cannot live in Jaffa cakes alone. No, crisps as well. Mm, true, but true. I, I eat like a four-year-old, for any of you who don't know. Uh, my diet is, is ludicrous. Um, <laughs> it's, it's genuinely pathetic because I, I eat like a child. I eat like a single man, actually, is what I do, because I can never be arse cooking or doing dishes, so I don't. Um, and I eat food that can be eaten out of a packet uh, without dirtying anything or taking any preparation time. Um, but they don't want to hear about my uh, my Ken Holmes-style culinary skills, folks. They are here to discuss the Rangers, and that's what we're here to do as well, folks, of course. Uh, a lot to get into this week. Before we uh, get started, I'll just go through what we've got lined up. We're going to start off by talking about yesterday's semi-final at Hamden and looking ahead to the final next month. Then Cami caught up with Andy McGowan, who's our financial board, and they went through the Rangers' financial results that were released on Friday. Give you a wee bit more detail from 
someone who knows what he's talking about. And then finally, we'll discuss Porto on when on Thursday night, not Wednesday night. Don't turn up at Ibrox on Wednesday. You'll be freezing and it'll be pointless. But uh, yeah, Cammy, Colin, Colin Will, Colin McMillan, Colin, Colin Will, he'll, Colin be, there he'll, be, there he'll be there Wednesday. Yeah, he'll he'll be there for parking, um, no doubt. But uh, yeah. Uh, we arrived yesterday. Uh, I was in good time actually at Hamden yesterday. Wanted to leave a bit of time uh, because of the new ticketing system that they say, and of course, got in no bother. Although uh, I will say, I don't know if I was the only one who noticed this, but the the turnstiles at Hamden they put in, it's like the jaws of death. You go into this thing, and it's it, oh, it was horrendous. It's like bloody hell, and they're very very tight. They're built for the 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 thinner man so uh, I think a few people would a bit of bother getting in um, maybe Hearts wish they did a bit of bother getting in Cammy because look in true Hollywood style when a team's down they come out swinging and punching and you know the the epic uh, last minute goal and triumph but in real life uh, what happens in football a lot team that's struggling at the bottom of the league no manager come up to play against a team who are flying playing really well that's generally what happens, is what happened yesterday. Yeah, typically. It's why you, you, you very rarely see a bookie on a bike. Exactly. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, I think, it quite metaphorically and literally was Hearts Cup final yesterday. Um, as we kind of mentioned on our Patreon shows uh, last week, David, um, when the news of Levine sacking broke, um, because obviously I'm through in West Lothian, I part company with a lot, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm company with a lot of them. Um, Hearts fans, all of whom were very, very pleased to hear that Levine had gone. They, they were very much of the opinion that a shake-up was needed. Um, I think when they heard that Austin McPhee was going to remain uh, at the club and, and was going to maybe temporarily take charge of first-team matters longer term, but certainly was going to be in charge on Sunday, I don't think it really had the reaction that was expected in terms of being able to motivate the fans to, to come along and, and, and support the team and uh, that kind of belief that Hearts might be able to get a result out of it, but um, as we both know, it certainly didn't turn out that way anyway. No, it did not. Um, Rangers were able to freshen up the side again after midweek, which uh, I think the advantages of having a number of options, and there's a difference between options and, and bodies, and I think we've had bodies the last few years now we've actually got legitimate options um, to bring in players like Ryan Kent and Stephen Davis for a match like this uh, I think says a lot about where we're going and you looked at the bench and you thought there was a couple of game changers on there as well, it, it, it did augur well initially though Cammy, um I thought the team were a little bit nervous the opening 10 minutes, maybe just feeling out what hearts were going to do what hearts were going to bring to the table after that, I thought Rangers got a grip on the game for the, the next 20 minutes or so. I thought a goal was coming. We did make chances. I've watched the game back this morning and their keepers made a couple of good saves. of one off the line and it looked like a goal was coming. Hart sent off an injury, wheeling their midfielder, went down and went off. And that actually seemed to stop Rangers for about 10 minutes. We lost that momentum, that head of steam we were building up. But we did regain it before half time. again, forcing pressure. Ryan Kent was so unlucky with the shot that's at the outside of the post but we persevered and then a goal real quality, second phase as the the coaches call it these days, um, ball into the box from a corner, headed out uh, there was Ryan Kent picking it up, he fed it out to Alfredo Morelos who did come out of the box but uh, to great effect because he delivered an inch perfect pass and in came Philip Hellander steaming through um, beating the rather paltry hearts offside trap to uh, finish like a forward 
Yeah, it was um, it was kind of weird because when you obviously as you describe it and as you look back at the goal, there's a few immediate questions spring to mind. The first one is why the hell is Alfredo Morelos out in the wing, um, about to put in a cross? And the second one is how is Philip Hellander the the first person to react to that? Um, because by and large, take take his name out of it. It's a striker's finish. It's a striker's run. It's a striker's awareness. Um, I've no idea what Hearts were doing at, at that point as well. And I, I think it's one of a number of mistakes that, that Hearts shot themselves in the foot with. Um, but everyone's static and no one followed Hellander. Um, and a, a great finish, just a, a lovely side foot. As it's a striker's finish. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. Um, a Power great ball height. in by Alfie. Yeah, it, absolutely. But a great ball in by Alfie. Um, where it just goes into, and let's use the old cliche, that kind of corridor of uncertainty. The keeper can't come for it because it's too far away from him. But, mm. I, I, you know, the, I'm assuming if I'm the goalkeeper at that point, I would expect a defender to, what's the word, intercept the, the cross coming in. No one does. And Hellander comes in and it's just a sublime finish. And I think it certainly served to settle the nerves because we had been unlucky in the build-up to that. As you say, Kent hit the post. Uh, Ryan Kent not scoring yesterday cost me £130. That was really great. Um Glenn Kamara had another opportunity where the ball failed to him and he, and he kind of just took it on the volley, but it was a, a deflated shot. Um, so we were certainly, you know, penetrating, but that goal from Hellander um, certainly looked as if that would settle in airs for us, actually show that we uh, can control the game at our pace, on our terms, um, and probably not to worry about Hearts too much. I was at the I was in the North Stand yesterday, which is side on, folks. It's the the one you see um, on on TV, um, but down towards the Rangers' end. So it was the other end of the pitch for me. I had a decent enough view for Hamden. I mean, poor Adam. He was in one of those seats. You know, the one that's seventy yards behind the goal. Um, the one where they they park you in Shawlands behind yeah, the goal, the... and you're right low down. You so, somehow managed to be under the pitch and um, you know in the Corona. But uh, I, so I'm not going to complain too much. But because of this, the, the static line, I assumed he was offside because he had to be right. Um, surely Hearts didn't just stand there and watch a six foot four blonde guy streak past them and put it away. But but they did. Um, that goal to me was crucial because look, who does our strange, un- inexplicable things? Well, there's no reason for it. There's no logic for it. And this talk of Rangers Hamden hoodoo, we hadn't scored, we'd lost five in a row uh, in terms of semi-finals and whatnot. Um, it was explicable. We'd been shite when we'd turned up at Hamden. So I, I didn't quite buy into the whole, oh, you know, what's going on here, Rangers? Are the... But the problem with something like this is once it becomes a thing, in inverted commas, um, it can become self-perpetuating. It can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, we, we struggle at Hamden, so... The mentality is there before we go in, and we struggle at Hamden. Um, and I did think that the goal relaxed both fans and players when it came. Obviously, you know, the old cliche, it's a brilliant time to score just before half time because it did throw Hearts' entire second half game plan out the window. Um, Want to talk in the first half a wee bit, though, Cammy, about uh, a rather strange performance from the former Ranger and Hearts uh, striker Stephen McLean, who. I assume had a taxi booked for four o'clock because he was not wanting to stay on that part. Picks up a yellow card for an elbow uh, on Golson uh, and then goes in over the top, studs up challenge on Alan McGregor, Stonewall booking, beating, I think, bottles it. He was trying to get out of dodge yesterday without any controversial moments if he could avoid it. Um, He'll be very pleased with that. But 
they they took him off, and understandably so, with uh, Austin McPhee on the bench. There's a brilliant um, gif going about McPhee basically going, what the fuck is he doing? Um, and he had to take him off and stuck in uh, Ick Pietzu, who wasn't fully fit. And the phrase non-fully fit Ick Pietzu, you're not going to get a shift out of, I think it's fair to say, which allowed Rangers to just push up. Although he did win a few high balls in the second half. Um, first of all... Look, I, I, I'm going to sound like, you know, Mr. Paranoid McCar Park dweller of Parkhead, but if that's Alfie, he's getting red-carded there, let's be honest. No, 100%. Listen, it's not it's, it's not paranoia. I mean, you've seen evidence. You've seen, you know, the, the proof in front of your eyes. So, no, it absolutely isn't. I think, um, just to come back very quickly, if we can, to McPhee, there was a, a friend of mine who had messaged me um, and he was quite close, I think, towards the dugout end of the Ranger section. And apparently he was kind of looking around at that kind of angle. And Ekpiezu was away uh, warming up. And literally, as soon as McLean had made that challenge in McGregor, McPhee told him to come over. And he, he knew that McLean had lost his head at that point. He knew that he had to take him off. Um, and when one of your own players does that, you know, without the fault of injury. Mm. Um, I think that speaks a lot about where your dressing room is at the moment. And you're right, they brought on Nick Piazza. I don't think he did much in terms of being able to try and kick his own arse. It's just the way it was. What I think we can take a lot of, of, of credit for, what Alfie should get a lot of credit for, is that, um, listen, we are, you know, it's a West of Scotland thing. We like seeing guys having a good go at each other. Alfie and uh, Bera were certainly doing that yesterday. Um Bera was trying to goad him because, again, we know how easy it is for Alfie to get booked, whether he does anything wrong or not. It's, you know, the referee's default. It's their get-out-of-jail card it's to give Alfie a caution. The amount of times yesterday where the two of them were going at it, I mean, constantly going at it, and even if they fell to the floor or, 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 or Alfie fell to the floor, gets up, walks away. And it's such an increase in maturity now from Alfie. He doesn't, doesn't lay up in the battle doesn't give any quarter, but what he does do is he doesn't react. And actually, the only time he did react yesterday was from a phenomenal um, Stephen, uh, Stephen Naismith uh, jibe when there's a great picture going around about Alfie's face, obviously, when he's, he's right up at, at Naismith. Um, but in terms of his, his actual physical altercations with Berra and that kind of standoff between the two of them, um, absolutely didn't, you know, didn't give him any kind of cause of reaction in order to be able to try and get the booking. Um and it's it's great to see from him. I know it sounds daft because yes, he's obviously the great semi final yesterday as well. But you can't overlook that he's learned from this uh, because referees will book him with no significant problems whatsoever. Now he's not giving them the ammunition. That's it. Don't give them the opportunity because they'll take it. Um, yeah, uh, that's what that's what we've been showing a few times. But uh, yeah, um, into the second half, then Rangers much more relaxed and quality began to show. Killed the game almost instantly, 90 seconds into the second half. Superb drilled ball across from Tav, and there was Alfie running in. Um, simple tap and good run, though. Um, great goal from Rangers. And then we just played some excellent stuff, I thought, with uh, Ryan Kent. Wonderful bit of play from him to show what he can create. There was some good play by him on Barisic on the left, actually, for that goal. The cross came in. And Martin Ramsey, who I was sitting with, is convinced that Shea Ojo deserves credit. He says he knows he's not going to score, but he just keeps the ball live. Having watched it a few times, I'm not quite sure I share that opinion, but uh, I'm willing to give credit. You know, it was a good win. Um, but the Kent's 
impact on the third goal where he just torments the Hearts defence running at them, brings it back to Alfie. Hell of a finish, by the way, Cam, because two touches and at pace with the ball slightly behind him. First one, he digs it at his feet. Second, without really adjusting his feet, just in the same movement, he puts it away. Uh, uh, just a top, top quality striker from a guy who's absolutely flying at the moment. A couple of guys I want to pick out, though. Um, Ryan Jack and uh, Steve Davis, because I just thought that they were magnificent yesterday. Davis, with the form that he's been showing all season, absolutely superb. Oh, what must be a dream to play with, because he's always available for a pass. You're in trouble, look up, there's Davo to take the ball off you. No wonder the rest of the team love him. And I was thinking yesterday as I was watching him that, given the decade we've had. I wonder if maybe we do appreciate him a bit more, because I was one of the ones in the first his first time at Rangers that thought he was a good player, but sometimes, you know, maybe he wasn't involved in a game and whatnot. Um, or is it just that he's a much better player now? I think he's a much better player, but he's a different player. And that's what you have to try and remember, because um, he can control the game uh, in terms of where he's at. Now, that's not to say that Ryan Jack can't, because he certainly can um, and, and you know we've seen that we've seen that very recently. Um, what I enjoy is it feels weird, David, right? Because obviously, if we operate a three-man midfield, those two have a perfect partnership as far as I'm concerned. Because Ryan Jack yesterday chased everything. He he created chances because he was able to hunt the player with the ball, the Hearts player with the ball, shut him down. He would either keep play up that end, which again is its own right, because obviously we will have the lion's share of the penetration so when we are coming back and we're having to, to to probably get back into some sort of steady or defensive formation if Hearts have the ball you're mentioning about Stephen Davis being there about getting out of trouble, Ryan Jack's exactly the same because Ryan Jack will close down the ball so quickly that if he can break up a piece of play or stop a counter attack you know, in its initial phases um, that must be absolutely brilliant because you then know you're not going to get caught out with a huge you know, ball over the top or whatever else as well Davis, for me, just enjoys playing on a big park. He enjoys being able to look at it. I think what we were really missing when he when he came back um, initially was his range of passing felt to me like it was a bit it was it was a bit kind of um, it needed adjustment. There was definitely a misalignment in terms of where he was he was orchestrating a lot of those passes. Now he's got that to a T. Um, probably a little bit of kind of rustiness, if I'm being honest. Um, but now you're seeing a player who very, very clearly uh, wants to enjoy the, the controlling of the tempo of the game, is able to probably a bit smarter than the Stephen Davis that we saw beforehand. He's not getting forward as much because obviously he doesn't have the legs for it, but he doesn't need to have the legs for it. He's got other people around him who can do that for him. Um, but then at the same point, like you say, he also realises when the game needs to step up, when it can be controlled, when it can be relaxed. And again, having someone there who can do that intra-game management's critical. And I think, for my opinion, he's one of the best midfielders in Britain at doing that. Ryan Jack, who I think went up a level at the start of the season, has gone up a level in recent weeks, which is, you know, it's improvement on top of improvement from a guy who was pretty good anyway. And yesterday, as you say, the amount of ball winning he did, he just totally set the tempo. There was a tackle on 17 minutes where he smashed in perfectly fairly, but one attack, one of those tackles that did get the whole Rangers end going, yes, I love those, because I do think they spark, yeah, they spark the team. And I thought it did yesterday as well. 
But even in the, if you watch the official SPFL highlights, folks that are online, um, they were the first to drop last night at midnight, so we all watched them. He wins 874 tackles in eight minutes of highlights. Right, <laughs> maybe exaggerating, but only slightly. But uh, he was absolutely brilliant, and I, I've just loved watching him. And another pleasing thing from yesterday, Cami, was Ryan Kent um, proving again that, uh, and this is a tough competition, but that he is the most dangerous Kent brother. <laughs> well, um, well, time will tell on that one. Um, no, hey, I there, think, there was uh, a Japanese player on the on the Hearts yeah. team. There was, there was, and he, and he got off safely, which might not have been the case if Casper had been there. Sure. Um, yeah, Ryan Kent, so there's, there's probably three things which I love about Ryan Kent. The first one is when you, you just mentioned there, obviously, the, the first Morelos goal comes from Kent running and then being able to, without looking. Now, all we guys will tell you, David, right, when you're defending or somebody's running at you with the ball, just watch the ball. Don't watch their feet, don't do anything else. You have to just watch the ball and concentrate on that. If you rewatch that passage, you place exactly what the Hearts defender's doing. The problem he has, though, is because he's watching the ball, he doesn't see Barisic on the overlap. And Rankin gets the shout, obviously, from Barisic, but plays a perfect ball to him, which Barisic can run onto and put in a perfect off the cross, which Kamara actually takes away from Alfie. Tav gathers ball back in goal. But it's an inch-perfect pass. And that's that feels to me like a player who's been playing all season and Ryan Kent hasn't through selection via injury one thing or another so he's come back into it and he's come back in strong the second thing I love about him is he will constantly try he will drive yes. he will drive he will drive he doesn't give up and he constantly moves against it and the third thing I love about him is probably for me one of his, his most powerful uh, weapons in his arsenal which is his, his, his short distance acceleration um, the young lad, I think it's Hickey, who's trying to defend against them um, for the third goal, Alfie's second. Um, we're not talking about a great deal of room. We're maybe talking about, we're talking about less than 18 yards because it's in the box. But when Kent drops his shoulder and runs, he immediately gathers probably a yard and a half worth of space that he can operate in. That yard and a half, he lifts his head up, looks, and it's a perfect ball to Alfie's feet. I say perfect, yeah, you're right. He did have to dig it out slightly or whatever. Okay, we can forgive him for that. But in that, in that area of operation, in that distance that he has, and in that you know, and the, the speed at which he performs it, my God, it's exhilarating to watch because you just get the guy the ball, and defenders are shitting themselves straight away. But guys like Alfie know this guy's going to get it to the byline and he's going to give it to me in a near perfect situation. Um, and and frankly, you know, he's going to end up scoring more than he misses probably with that kind of level of service. Um, but the great thing about this with Kent was not what happened originally. He managed himself throughout the game. He didn't go in big, massive lung busters, potentially pulling a hammy or, you know, giving himself a bit of a tweak or whatever. He knew when to go. He knew when to stop, etc. The only thing that missed from Ryan Kent's performance, and it broke my heart yesterday, all, you know, betting winning aside, is that he didn't get a goal because he really, really deserved one. He was he was on fire yesterday. And it's great to see because you know he loves us and you know he loves his playing up here as well. Yeah, that that thought did strike me um, because obviously my first time at Hamden since last year uh, in the semi-final which Kent played in and a couple of things struck me is firstly the quality that's been added to the side um, from the side that started that day and yeah, I know, I know, uh, Marcel Deacon and everything but still, um, you looked around at the, the team, the options and even the guys in the stand and I thought, well, you know, you, you, we are a much better side but secondly, Kent that day um, 
was running about, you know, he was buzzing about, he was trying to make things happen. He just carries himself a different player. He's grown so much in his year at Rangers. And I think he, he strikes you as a kind of young man who needs to feel settled and loved at the club. And it goes both ways. I mean, he fought to be here and you can see it. And I just thought, no, you've already grown exponentially for the boy that was here last year and you'll continue to. So it's it's very exciting moving moving forward. So a good win. And, uh, you, you know, we look for signs of progress. Here's a very obvious one. Last year fell at this hurdle. This year got through it. We'll take on Celtic in the final. Realistically, I think we all knew that the only team who are likely to end this run of trophies there on is us. Um, I don't think anybody else can be expected to do that. They won 4-2 on Saturday night. Again, I think Celtic going forward have some excellent players and they're very, very good. They can play some good stuff. Defensively, they're a bit, uh, a bit less shall we say, uh, impressive. And the only thing I say right now, Cammy, that I'm looking for for Rangers when we get to that game, and there's a lot of football to be played between now and then, so you really don't know what the mentalities will be going in, but let's have a go. Let's not do this or we'll contain them for 70 minutes that the manager spoke about at Ibrox. Let's play our game because, you know, losing is one thing, but losing when you feel that you haven't laid a glove is another entirely. Well, it is, and... You know, David, I think you and I probably hate them with equal measure, but they won 5-2, so I don't want to necessarily take a goal off them, um, even though I think I turned it off after about five minutes. Um, they will come out. They, they, they'll come out and have a go. Listen, they're not they're not going to have any kind of fear factor, who do anything like that as well. Um, unfortunately, due to lack of competition, Hamden, you know, has, has been like a second ground for them um, for, for clearly the last kind of, um, 10, 11 cup finals, pretty much. The problem more than anything else is when we're talking about being able to to get to a stage where we can go with that confidence, we can start the game positively. Now, don't get me wrong, we're not going to make the same mistakes that we did, um, you know, in the, in the, the first league, uh, sorry, the first old uh, firm game in the league in terms of the starting lineup. Morelos will start on the assumption that he's fit, clearly. What I want us to be able to do, though, is we came out yesterday. And you mentioned obviously at the top of the pod that there was a there was a kind of not a hesitancy as such, but it kind of looked like we weren't necessarily in our groove. We didn't have a, any kind of real strut or anything like that as well. I, we can't do that against Celtic. I, you have to make sure these players are aware that when they walk out against them, they fully deserve to be there, and they have got the quality and the ability to beat them. Um, we've, we've seen you know, semi-finals at least, where the game's been done in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, we we absolutely are a far, far better team than that now. If somebody said we'd have lost that last year once, they've said it 100 times so far this season, and that's great because that's that shows your improvement. And it's kind of like the Rangers die cliche bingo now. Everyone's saying it now. But the bottom line, however, is we have to go into that final knowing that we've got the quality to win it. So we can't start slowly because I think that they are good enough to punish us. It, you know, obviously, I hate saying that because you know, I hate them, but they, they are good enough that if we falter or we, you know, want to give out a couple of jabs to kind of get our swing and all that kind of stuff at the beginning of the game, they will try and get on top of us very, very, uh, very early doors. And we can't allow that to happen. We've got to come out with a degree of confidence, have a bit of swagger about us and say, listen, do you know what? We can control this. And we have to have the belief that we can do that. Um, we did it in the 2-0 Old Firm game at Ibrox um, obviously we were ben- uh, benefited by an early goal um, with Tavernier's free kick but the bottom line with this is we have to be able to go out there and show that we're there to compete um, 
and we have to do that from the first whistle. It sounds so easy, and it does. It really. But I was confident that we would beat Hearts. We were talking about the old firm final well before the weekend, um, and how it would fit in with our December fixtures. So we had the belief that we would beat Hearts pretty comfortably, despite the obvious quagmire that they were in. I want us to be able to get into the the League Cup final with that same positive attitude. And if we can, we can win it. Um, you mentioned then just before we we leave this match entirely, um, Stephen Naismith, who is I think it's fair to say not a favourite um, here on Heart and Hand. And sometimes you you'll get people who'll argue with you, it's like, well, you know, he didn't do any worse than anybody else, or good service, Rangers man, etc. And I always you know politely listen to these people and say that's fair enough. I still hate him. Um, I don't think I'm in the minority yesterday and he was laughable yesterday he was uh the the moment where Alfie is screaming in his face was fun but some of his behavior a couple of dives one in particular where he's trying to suggest that Ebo elbowed him um just get to fuck he's he's close to the end of his career and what always baffles me I call it the the cut broadfoot school of thought is these guys must know that they've played some part in, at the time, some Rangers success. They've been part of a history. And there's no doubt, right, that when Stephen Naismith played for us, he, he was a good player, right? You can't you can't take that away from him. But see, when you're going to act like a complete and utter fud-muffin like this, what is the point? Because he came on yesterday. What was the score yesterday? We were 2-0 up at that point. I'm feeling, yeah. I think we were, right? The game is over as a contest, right? Let's be perfectly honest, and I'm sorry, you know, a 50-year-old Stephen Naismith coming off the bench, playing his first game in two years or however long he's been out fucking injured, is not going to come over and, 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 and turn around that, that game. It's not no. going to happen. So why are you just going to act like this and basically alienate the only guys? Because Hearts fans will never remember him. He's not going to go and, you know, start doing appearances and stuff like that and speakers dinners and all that, at, you know, Hearts functions. Why on earth are you wanting to risk whatever reputation you had with some of these? And you're, listen, you're right. Some fans really dislike Stephen Naismith when you follow, obviously, uh, the, you know, the two-pay conversations. Understand all of that, right? Everyone's entitled to their opinion on that. But at the same time as well, he could still just act like a professional and not act like a complete wank. And I don't understand as to why he's doing it. I really don't. But anyway, um, he, he totally embarrassed himself yesterday. And for a guy who you would like to believe is in the last throes of his career, would want to be able to try and go out and just leave with a bit of positivity Everyone has an opinion on Chris Boyd. What I will say is Chris Boyd did that. I mean, pretty much when he finished up his career, he finished up as the highest goal scorer in the, in, in the country. Stephen Naismith's career is now going to come to a very, very quick, withering, studding, sudden stop. And then that's him done. And he will be out of Scottish football. Why on earth he's doing things like this as well? I've got no idea. I really genuinely don't. I don't even know if he wants to get into coaching or management. If he does, then fair play to me. He can go and do that. But as a player, this is going to be his legacy. It's pretty disappointing. Yeah, it most certainly is. Okay, folks, now, of course, Rangers released their financial accounts on Friday night, and uh, the headline that uh, was screaming out was £11 million loss. Uh, we spoke to Andy, well, I didn't, Cammy did, uh, spoke to Andy McGowan, our financial guy, and this is what he had to say on it. Joining me now is uh, the newest father of Heart Hand, Mr Andrew McGowan. Andy, how are you? How is everybody? How's fatherhood hitting you like a ton of bricks? <laughs> I'm fine, Cameron. Thanks for asking. It's it's not as bad as the make out. To be quite honest, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised at how nice it is. That's excellent. So basically, you're making Sarah do everything, yeah? 
that, that's no far away from the truth, to be quite honest with you, but um, we'll keep that to ourselves. Okay, that's fair enough. It's just be me, you, and the 60,000 people that listen to this podcast. Um, okay, Andy, I just wanted to, to catch up with you because you are obviously the heart hand financial expert. Um, last week, uh, the recent Rangers report came out regarding, obviously, turnover and figures. Um, we have probably seen quite a lot uh, made in the headlines about this. Um, there is a guy, a Celtic fan, who cleans the toilets in my work, who's also a chartered accountant and a tax expert. He says <laughs> admin two is happening next week. Uh, is he right or wrong? I'm sorry to disappoint him, but it's, it's not true. Um, I, I think, as is the nature of being Rangers, there is um, extremes. So when things are reported, they can be either um, very, very bad or just bad. So I think a lot of journalists go to the extreme. And I think we've seen you and Murray this week go off at the deep end on his Twitter. We've seen Forbes surprisingly employ one of them to give us a report, an impartial report on our, our books. And I think, as usual, um, it's a question of context, perspective. And see, to be honest, you need to be in the whirlwind that has been the last seven, eight years of Rangers to really get that context. So it's very, very hard for a financial commentator from outside to come in and then give us a, a kind of a clear view of where we are because there's so many variables, so many things that have happened with us um, that you need to take everything into consideration when you're actually passing comment. Certainly sensational commentary isn't helpful. So um, I, the, the, the books themselves, it is very easy to jump to the conclusion there's another loss. Um, I'm not overly concerned by it um, because I think the future years will, will, will have continued losses, I've got to say that. Um, but everything that you would look at as headline kind of parameters, headline key indicators are, are positive. We've um, got an increase in turnover. We're, we're up above the 50, 000, the 50 million mark, which I always put as a kind of golden figure to know that we're really cooking with gas once we get back to that. So to give context way back with Charles Green, we were down at 20 million. We were absolutely decimated in terms of turnover. So we're back up there. Um, we've got continued support for the board. The board, I think, are unique in that we have genuinely got investors there that are working with our best interests at, at heart. And there's no many football clubs anywhere in the world that can say that. So I think we, we cannot kind of take that for granted. I certainly don't. And I must say that that kind of viewpoint as well, Cammy, makes me a wee bit sympathetic to the board. So I will caveat that my my glasses are a wee bit rose-tinted towards the board, and I do give them the benefit of doubt whenever I'm, I'm asked to comment and things like this. Well, one of the things that we'll talk about then, Andy, just um, well, I've got you, is around, so obviously the big headline news, which I think most people saw, and um, and certainly our detractors put front and centre, is uh, a loss of £11.3 million. What they didn't advertise as readily, or publicise as readily, was that that's actually a £3 million drop from last year. Mm-hmm. Part of the, 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 the cost expenditure will include things like £5 million spent on Ibrox and also the Hummel Training Centre. Um, I think via the great work that the guys do on the Rangers social media team and RTV, you, you've seen a lot of that um, development work happening both at the stadium and training centre. Um, over £3.5 million spent on legal fees regarding the Sport Direct case, mm-hmm. which obviously is ongoing. Um, we've had to do... Um, Basically, tie up the contracts uh, that's under well, just under two million, just at about 1.6. 
Um, and as you mentioned there, obviously, we've increased our turnover um, up to 53.2 million. So for me, maybe I'm simplifying this a little bit too much, but for the layman in the street, this feels like this is the cost of doing business at the level that we are we are doing at. Well, the key thing for me is, again, this context. So even if the likes of Ewan Murray gave a, a rudimentary read of King's comments, the chairman's report, one of the first things he, he says is accelerated investment, which is a phrase I've used umpteen times when I've been talking about the books and accounts and our financial forecasts and the else, because what we're doing at the moment is we have got a company, forget about Rangers or Football Club for a second, we have got a company which was decimated, uh, ripped to the bone, carcass, all that kind of stuff, right? We've had legacy issues landed upon us, which are not easy to get get rid of, and we're still having to deal with those. So what the board and investors in particular have been doing is they've been front-ending, as far as I can see, a lot of investment, particularly on the plane front, because I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that it is quite clear that we have been buying players without selling them, per se. So there's not been any Tierney's, uh, Van Dijk's, Dembele's, for lack of better players to compare with. We haven't had anything like that. We've held on to Morelos when we could have sold them. We've held on to other players when we could have sold them. And that has got to be a positive in terms of the football side of things. So the board's intentions are bona fide. They're looking to improve the football side of things because they know that naturally what comes with that is the increase in the, the financials, commercial, season ticket sales, European participation. It goes hand in hand with what's happening on the park. So um, I think that, uh, as you were saying there, Cammy, about the, the accelerated investment is where we have a loss, right? We could have played it safe or the board could have played it safe and not spent money on players. They could have sold players. They could have... Um, taking far longer to address the issues that we had around about Ibrook Stadium and, and the Hummel Train Centre. Um, anybody that goes to matches at any point will have seen a, a sharp increase in the fabric of the, the, the buildings around us, whether it's lighting, toilets, anything at all. We can see that the place is, is back up to where it should be in terms of standards. So all that has been happening. And also in the background, we've had um, one hand tied, no one hand, two hands tied behind our back in terms of our merchandising with the Ashley fight. Um, so we've had 3.6 million in costs for Ashley legal costs basically this year. We made 3.3 million from the merchandising, which was the obviously the Hummel strips. So if you're talking to me about uh, the, the the elephant in the room, which is the commercial and the merchandising problems we've got, it's cost us 300,000 pounds to go toe to toe with Ashley in the might of make Ashley Sports Holdings, whatever it's called, Mash. To me, and this is a personal opinion, to me, that is a very, very good um, and pragmatic approach to take. We have basically funded our own battle against Ashley because if you're doing a kind of SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, all that nonsense, Ashley is still one of the biggest threats to us because long term, if we're making 3.3, 4 million pounds a year from merchandising over a 10 year period, there's 40 million quid. If it costs us 10 million over that period to get rid of him completely, then that's good business sense. So let's not get bogged down in the fact that it's costed 3.6 to, to fight them and we've made nothing for the merchandise because we will not be fighting them forever, put it that way. Um, we've also got, sorry, I keep going, I can't but we've got £7.2 million of player amortisation in that £11 million loss. So player amortisation is basically writing off the cost that players bought over a period of time. So for as long as we're investing in the squad, we're going to have that 
kind of weighing heavy on the, the bottom line. And we're, and we've spent heavy this year. This isn't it, including Ken and everybody else and, uh, that we've signed in the summer there. So I would foresee, and I, I'm gladly corrected, but people more learned than me, I would foresee that that kind of weight will still lie upon the, the bottom line for future years. And that's because we're investing in the, in the squad. Well, funny you should say that because my bog wiping friend also says to me that we <laughs> absolutely have to sell our Fred on Morelos in the January window in order to keep the lights on. Uh, one hopes that he's as wrong there as he is about admin two happening within the week. Well, Stephen Gerrard certainly didn't feel that way yesterday when he was asked a direct question about it. But the bottom line is that we, we obviously can't sustain losses last forever. That, that is obvious. No business can, no football club can. However, when you're in a, a growth phase, and this is where I keep referring to the Rangers as if it was any other business, when you're in a growth phase, you're, you're spending money to get a return in some form or another. Our form or another is success on a park, which then translates in commercial success and everything else, as I say. So at this point in time, as long as we've got directors and investors who are able and willing to effectively shore up the losses willingly, we're in a very good position. Um, can't go on forever. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that I can go on forever. Obviously it can't, but at some point we will be back to a a normal operating football club which buys, sells football players. At the moment, we're still not a normal football club because what we're doing is we're buying. We're not really selling because we've still to get that return on the park, which is silverware. Once that starts to flow and once we start to get back to normality, I would like to think that the club will be able to, and I hate to say it, operate the same way as our friends across the city do because your, your friend in the toilet there is... Um, He's talking about Celtic and how, or, or, or basically they've got a wee bit of a kind of superior complex when it comes to finances. They're selling players to shore up their, their books. We've not sold players to shore up our books, and that's why we've got a loss there. The difference is we've got a board, in particular Mr King, who is willing to make all the difference. And uh, that'll not last forever, but at some point we will, we'll, we'll be back to normal. So a couple of things just before I, I let you get back to supervising Sarah changing nappies. <laughs> um, there's there's obviously some some conversation as well happening about um, longer term potential changes and threats. One of those threats is uh, regarding our FFFP status. However, for me, this seems to solidify with a higher turnover. That status is 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 pretty secure. Is, is that right? So I'm not I'm not an expert. I'm going to be brutally blunt. FFP is extremely complex and nuanced. However, what I would say is that it's mentioned in the, the report where the, the, they've got, obviously, cognizance of it. It would be absolute and utter suicide for our board who are obviously piling a lot of their money into the club in return for shares when it's converted. It would be madness for these guys to pr proceed in a manner which is then going to kick us out of Europe because, as we've noticed for this books, that these accounts, £50 million of revenue came from our Europa League participation. To then wave bye-bye to that because we've just not been um, uh, smart enough in terms of how we run things would be madness. Um, my understanding is that we're, we're nowhere near an issue with that. We're nowhere near it because of the way we're actually funding it. Uh, and because of what we're funding, it's not just a case of us piling money into the club and then it getting spent on Ryan Kent and so forth. It's not just about that. There's, there's capital expenditure there, investment in the club. In the, in the infrastructure, so that's different. So at the moment, my understanding is there's no issue whatsoever with FFP requirements. 
um, and, and it is mentioned in the books. Um, if you read the books, you'll see that there's a lot of detail. There's a, a particular thing that I bring up every year when I'm, I'm asked to comment, which is the impairment testing procedures, which is a very, very tight kind of stress test that the club and the board have on, on their finances. So uh, the FFP is very, very much in their, in their, um, their plans and their, their forward forecasting. And the other thing I just wanted to make, you obviously mentioned Europe. Um, I know I've kind of said previously for me, Europe, you can kind of give or take, but given how important Europe has been to us um, in the last couple of seasons in terms of the overall qualification, I think what's important to probably kind of call out, because I forget this myself, um, and my thanks to Colin McMillan, who, who, who steadily reminds me, um, but this is, Europe's not just about qualifying for the group stages and then being able to just play those games and you get you know, fifteen million pound or whatever as a result of qualifying for that. It's the points or, you know, the, the, the financial rewards when you get a win, when you get a point, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, the stadium is open, the fact that the stadium is full, the fact that you're selling Cokes and pies and all the rest of it and programmes and what have you. So I take it, you know, from that perspective, the real goal for us and the real kind of cherry on top of this would be to remain in Europe after Christmas. Aye, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the European thing, we're, we're kind of back to where we were under, not under Murray, but where we had a kind of reliance upon um, being in Champions League at that point. So in the, in the books, there is, and that is impairment stress test that I mentioned, there is a, a mention of kind of what they expect. And one of the things was, I think it was two out of five, just looking through my notes, Cammy, two out of five years they would like to be in Europa League. The group stages, presumably, that means, and what that means is they, they kind of work off that basis. Um, if we weren't in Europe the last two years, I think would be the the be more alarming. Put it that way, the books would be more alarming, but they'd be more alarming to the guys that are actually having to show it up. But I think what I'm saying here is they're not sitting working on the presumption we're in the Europa League every year in the group stages. They're actually working off the basis like these things can go wrong. Um, and that's no unique to Rangers. I mean, this is one of the things we get caught up because we get scrutinised because of where we've been, what's happened. This is exactly the same for every football club that operates our kind of um, threshold. Anybody that's kind of down south, they've got to, they've got the same thing in terms of points versus prizes and uh, positions for the league. Celtic uh, the same in the Champions League money every year. They've got to kind of countenance for what happens if they don't. That's why they carry cash. Um, so Europe is very important, but you've got to remember that Europe carries cost as well because a lot of our operating costs have shot up significantly this year, and it's largely due to the fact that we've had seven more games in Europe and all the cost that goes with that. And I might be my, my presumption. I can see for the books, it's somewhat a million quid a game it costs us to run. So it's not just 15 million of pure profit, that's 15 million of, of, of revenue. But you've then got the cost, you've got the bonuses for the team, you've got the opening the stadiums, you see, all that yeah, kind of the, stuff. The cost, the cost coming, we're actually being open on Thursday night as well, and the staff yeah. involved, etc. So, so if we don't qualify for the group stages, it's not an instant 15 million pound hole. There would be a hole, and a significant hole, but it's no, the, the cost would go down as well. So it's somewhat offset by the fact that we're not having to police and steward and, and everything else that goes with it. Okay. And the last thing I just wanted to just double check with you um, is there's obviously been further discussion about the fact that uh, across the course of the last week, Rangers have also changed their banking partner. Uh, they've moved yeah. from Metro London to Barclays. Yeah. Um, that feels to me, and yes, I'm uh, you know absolutely you know, a layman at this, 
but that feels to me to be a far more I want to say professional relationship, a slightly more uh, high profile banking partner that we'd be with. Is that is that fair to say, do you think, or am I just are we just swapping apples for pears? No, I think I think it's went under the radar. Um and I think it's another absolute positive in terms of uh, getting back to where we were. So when we went to the pits of hell and Mr Green was scouting about trying to get us a bank because nobody would take us, that's where Metro Bank, Metro Bank came in and obviously Metro Bank are challenging bank and uh, they're a wee bit less discerning in terms of who they would take on. Barclays, um, as you quite rightly say, are, I would say, probably Premier League in England bank of choice for, for the clubs. Um, so the fact that Barclays have been willing to take Rangers on I would probably say it says more about cash flow and investment investor assurances uh, than anything else because they're not giving us credit. It must be said that there's not an overdraft or anything like that as far as I can see. But to give us banking, I think um, that opens up the channel for future kind of potential for that kind of thing. Barclays are having a big push in Glasgow as well. Though MDX crossed the Kingston Bridge, I've seen that they're, they're building a, a mega campus there, three hundred million pounds. Biggest ever investment in Scotland, so it's not something that, that um, went unnoticed to me. But I think it's a major positive. But they don't walk into a deal with Rangers without a full assessment of where we're at financially yes, I, and the potential risk. Yeah, it's a it's a validation of where we're going. Put it that way. Okay, grand. Well, listen, Andy, thanks so much for your time. Um, I know I just wanted to kind of grab you for for a little bit of kind of clearer insight on this as well to help probably explain some of the stuff in terms of where we're at. Um, if I can, if, if anyone comes up with any questions that they'd like to ask Andy, please leave them in the comments um, on our Patreon site or alternatively tweet David. We'll try and see if we can come back to you with some some clear understanding as to whether or not we want to do that. David's Twitter handle, for anyone who doesn't know, is at ibroxrocks, and I'm at beatthatbeat. It'd be interesting to be able to try and see if we get any more clarification on this, because that's the reason why we have guys like Andy, because he'll tell you the things that... Um, are important and not just the, the kind of negative press stories. Andy, as always, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure, Cammy. Okay, mate, I'll let you get back to uh, what, what are you doing at the moment? Are you fixing cribs or doing like the mobiles or what are you doing? Do you, do you mean crib as in MTV, my house? <laughs> <laughs> if only you were hip enough for that. I saw that. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that she's probably baby proofing the house, but it's probably more for you than uh, the, the wee one. <laughs> No, I've been puked, I've been puked on for the first time today, which was a joyous occasion. Excellent, good, good for you know. Long may that continue. That's probably the most important thing. Andy, thanks so much for your time. Right, cheers, Cammy. So, Cammy, moving on then to Thursday night, Rangers back in Europa League action. Um, we're at Ibrox, which is not a phrase we're going to be using much in the next month or so. But um, great result the last time out against Porto has set us up with a real shot at qualifying. But let's not forget. This is a very good Porto side, and I, I hope that no Rangers fan is fooled um, and thinking, ah, oh, we, we drew away to them, therefore we're going to beat them at home comfortably. We'll need to be on our metal on Thursday night. We will, absolutely. We will have to be able to produce a result on Thursday. We're capable of doing it. Um, as, as much as we can say that, you know, the, the result from Porto was absolutely fantastic. The performance befitted it, in my opinion. I think we went out there... It's kind of what we're just saying and the point I was making regarding the League Cup final. We went out with a degree of confidence within ourselves to be able to to play on a, 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 a stage of that level. Um, and we need to do the same thing at home against them. Um, I I don't know if Porto might come at it from a degree of 
maybe you know it's that little bit that kind of wounded animal they probably looked at our game and thought that'll be three points in the bag and you know we certainly um you know we certainly confounded those expectations but at the same point we need to be able to go out and really believe that we can do something here and um i'm i'm confident that we can i'm confident we can go and get something from the game uh but it's going to take a top top performance really really well for me, a lot of it comes down to the same things in Europe, which is the ball. Keep it, respect it, look after it, don't give it away, don't be a hot potato with it, because if you get into that habit, they, these teams will just take the ball off you, and they'll hurt you. They, they'll get into positions that, that will hurt you. You need your defence to be switched on, no errors, and probably the biggest thing that, that's hurt Rangers the most in Europe over the years is take your chances. You're not going to get 10 or 11 chances in this game. You know, you're going to get three or four, and you've you've got to take the the 100% chances, as Dick Advocat always put it. Uh, but it's going to be a top night at Ibrox. You know, the place has got to be packed. Everybody's got to be buying up for it. I think it's it's going to be absolutely wonderful. I can't wait. These were the nights we missed, you know, when we were kicking about. It, it feels like the old days again. It's much more like it now. You know, semi-final victory, boom, onto a big European game, onto a crucial league game. This is the stuff we wanted. And that's why when I see people go, oh, the fixture list is a bit difficult, I'm like, fucking great, bring it on. That's, you know, we're Rangers. This is this is what we want. Uh, that's not me saying, oh, we're going to win all our games. That's me saying, I want games to matter. I, I, I've seen enough Rangers pointless fixtures over the last decade to, to do me a lifetime. Yeah, it has. And I think it's it's a really weird group in terms of where we're at with Europe because obviously, I mean, it's, it's, it's wide open. Um, with young boys, obviously six points. Ourselves and Porto on four. The final on three. Final uh, host young boys um, on Thursday night. So you've got to go on the assumption that final will look to take all three points from that. Depending on how the pendulum swings and obviously what results we can get out of that, we could go into the fifth uh, uh, group game stage where that would make or break and decide the group. That would be fantastic because then it means that the things go our way. The final game, which obviously is immediately after the League Cup final against Young Boys, is a formality. I really, really hope that we're not going into that game, David, looking to try and get something out of it. Europe post-Christmas would be an absolute godsend. It would be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fantastic for us. It really would. Uh, Andy just spoke uh, in the segment we just heard about how important it is for this for European qualification with the board's expectations where be able to do that post Christmas exceeds those expectations. Um, so we really have two cup finals now. We have Thursday night um, against Porto in order to be able to get the results out of it, and hopefully that means that the way how the group falls and whatever result we can potentially get across in Rotterdam means that that final game um, on I think it's the twelfth of December uh, is, is pretty much redundant. But uh, we need to make sure that we're, we're playing at that that level on uh, on Thursday night. Okay then, folks, that will do us for this week here on Heart and Hand. Uh, no Heart and Hand extra this week because obviously we're playing on Thursday, but we'll be back next Monday and we'll cover that and the Livingston game. Now, if you're already beginning your League Cup final weekend preparations, why not kick it off on the Friday, that's the 6th of December, by coming to see us at the Heart and Hand live Christmas show at Ibrox Stadium in the beautiful Ibrox Suite. 
uh, our spiritual home. We will be there uh, that Friday night. Uh, come along and enjoy all the fun. There are a few tickets remaining, not many, and they will sell out, uh, especially now with the, the big weekend that it's going to be. If you're looking for tickets, go to Ticket Source. That's uh, Ticket S O U R C E dot co dot uk and just search for heart and hand up it will pop and please come along and see us and if you want to come and see us in bathgate on november the 23rd with our good friend kevin thompson there are a very limited number of tickets available for that again just go to ticket source and you can pick up tickets for that if you want to hear more from us can we refer to it there come to our patreon site there's new shows dropping every few hours you will love it it's a veritable cornucopia a smorgasbord if you will of rangers content that's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand my thanks to our executive producers in london mike lee and paul myers and my thanks to my wonderful guests mr cameron james bell a pleasure as always david thank you very much for your time We'll be back next Monday. Until then, I hope your team wins. Take care. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.